0: You, Prime members, you can listen to three little words ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. This podcast is brought to you by Quorn, the nation's favourite meat-free brand. Quorn is a great partner for this show because now, more than ever, we should all be thinking about the impact of
1: the food that we eat. For every episode, Tony tells us a fact about corn. I do John and I've repeatedly told you that it's a quack, so you don't seem to be taking that on board. I'm gonna I'm gonna march on though. Making corn mince uses 90% less land and water than making beef mints. That's great for the environment.
0: Yo, I haven't eaten meat for decades and I remember when being a vegetarian or a vegan was pretty unusual, but now it's become much more mainstream because of the health and environmental benefits. So if cutting down on meat is something that you're looking to do, you'll find that corn's a great option. Welcome to Three Little Words, I'm John Bishop. It's a podcast where the guest brings three words that mean something to them. They can be words that bring back memories or words that explain a bit more about who they are. At the end, we will ask for one word that they'd happily never hear again. It's that simple. Tony Pitt is here with me, who knows more about words than anyone I know. He's a writer and an actor. You might have seen him in Line of Duty, Peaky Blinders, or walking in the background (laughs) of loads of other
1: things. (laughs) Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code AUDIO to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code AUDIO at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code AUDIO. <laughs> that's, uh, see, that's simultaneously, John, uh, crushing... And funny, <laughs> which which defines the nature actually, of our relationship. Actually,
0: that's the thing because I've never acted. I, as an actor. What's the thing where you gone? I was in that,
1: yeah, for that long. Star Wars. Star Wars. But but but, but I was in Star Wars for eleven scenes, uh, and uh, the the enormity of that starts to grow me every day until the executive turns up from Disney and cut out everything that I had done and left me on the. Death Star saying, "Commence primary ignition." Oh, but that's at a... least you got words. Oh no, I'd I'd had eleven scenes that I thought was anyway. That's another. But I've got a fabulous story about uh, Darth Vader and me. But uh, maybe that's for another day.
0: <laughs> I can't say that. I've got a fabulous story about Darth Vader and me for another
1: day. I really can. You can't. No, can. no I really can because I, I'm we've aware got that we've got limita- yeah, yeah, limitations. Yeah, limitations. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I can just ask before we start, John. How are you in yourself? In myself. Yeah.
0: I'm okay, but I'm sat here with glasses on, which is a revelation
1: yeah, we have never me. shared before. Yeah, You've yeah, never yeah. seen me with glasses. I I'm, in, on. I'm. I feel. I saw. We were just uh, saying. Oh, enough, I've just. I've never seen Johnny glasses before, and I looked across and I saw his vulnerability. I saw the uh, the ego and how awkward he felt with him, and I. And I chose not to say anything, but I've waited till we've got a public arena and now I can say
0: it. Yeah, yeah. And the way you use it, see, I see the way the eagle is not always necessarily bad, it's no. the outer thing. But what I've done. Because these are reading glasses, I've also developed that thing where I look, <laughs> over, I look over the top down. where yeah. I want to look at the yeah. rest of the world. And the world I'm looking at now is a nice, is a yeah. pleasant view. And then I look down and continue yeah. my introduction yeah. to our guest today. Our yeah. guest today actually studied. English Language and Literature at Leeds University. She won Grammy Awards, Mobile Awards, been nominated for the Mercury Music Prize. She's performed with Stevie Wonder and Prince. And when Barack Obama was asked to pick a Spotify playlist, he chose one of her songs, Corinne Bailey Ray. Hey! Barack Obama I being a fan, how's that feel?
2: It's amazing. We got to meet Obama. We got to meet him because I was doing this tribute and it was for Paul McCartney and I got asked to do it by Herbie Hancock because they're friends and um, the, I guess oh, they, that? they actually... Already. Can we just stop? Oh, the, just room. the room was crazy. <laughs> what happened with 15 seconds I into the interview? I'm blown away, I
0: can't talk. <laughs> and... and did you know Tony was in uh, Star Wars? See <laughs> <laughs> St- you, hear me, Hancock. Tony was nearly in Star Wars. Let me
1: do, and I'm just, I, I spoke to. I said to Steve, our producer, earlier um, about. Uh, I remember talking to Corinne about a year ago or so, and she said, "Do you want to come and see something I'm doing?" I was like, "Oh no, I don't think I'm coming out. I'm doing this thing with Steve." And of course, Steve was Stevie Wonder. So, so,
2: so sorry. it was at the White House. So it was like. Everyone who loves Paul McCartney is paying tribute to him. He was winning this uh, presidential honor, so it was Stevie Wonder, it was Herbie Hancock, it was um, Jack White was doing it, Dave Grohl was doing it, Amy Lou Harris was doing it, and I was just, I was just there. I was there performing, and uh, we did the sound check, and I closed my eyes, opened my eyes. Paul McCartney's just sat in the front row there. and no. Stella McCartney's there, and I had been wearing a Stella McCartney jumpsuit. No. So I'm waving at her, she's waving at me like, I'm wearing your outfit. But yeah, it was just mind blowing. It's like doing a not see watching Stevie Wonder with like two hundred other people and one of them's Barack Obama and he gets on stage at the end and everyone's singing Hey Jude and I can hear someone in the background singing, Hey Jude 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 Judy and I turn round and it's him, you know, he's just wow. just sort of having it, you know, dancing and
0: I know, mean we I'm sure throughout the chat you know, we will have References to your career, but there's a few things that you may not even know. Because uh, I, I, I thought right, I want to listen to Corinne again before she comes on. So I just went on to Spotify, and uh, your your lead track on Spotify is uh, is put your records on. I don't know if you know this, but it's been downloaded or played via Spotify over 280 million times. That one track. And you as an artist, you get 4.4 million listens a month. Wow. And that's like... That's bonkers, you isn't it? Yeah.
2: I just get chills sort of thinking about that. I mean, that I, I played live music for so long, you know, and when you're playing live and you're in a pub, you're playing and you can see everyone who's hearing you at that moment. You mm. look around, it's it's 80 people, they're coming and going. And when you actually record, then it's that thing of you sort of, it goes out before you and you don't know who's heard it and you yeah. don't know.
0: The thing with songs above everything else, I mean, we're in this room here, and I'm as a stand-up, you're as, uh, uh, as a singer songwriter, and Tori's so as someone who's nearly in Star Wars. This, we've all got our, constant. our realm... Constant, <laughs> uh,
1: constant, We've underway. all
0: got our realm that we're performing. Uh, and, you know, you're doing uh, really emotional scenes, and acting, it means something to people. A stand-up can make people laugh. But songs have that unique thing where it remains part of somebody's life. Yeah. forever and it will define the moment that they heard it or the first song of a wedding or the first time we saw someone or that brilliant summer and that's the gift that you've got without realizing it because 280 million people obviously feel the same thing does that must be a difficult thing to even begin to get your head around
2: i think this. The times I feel like I get a feeling that you have have had that connection is when you meet people sometimes after gigs or sometimes just walking down the street and they'll say, "Oh, this song you know we've played this song at our wedding, and now we've got three kids or we played this song when we first met and or I was having i've had all sorts of you know the mm. all the situations you you can imagine someone saying. I was having brain surgery when your first record came out and I didn't, you know, There's all these complications and every time I hear it, I think of that time and now I'm completely better or, you know, people say, oh, you wrote that song about your mum that reminds me of my mum and she's passed away and, um, yeah, you sort of, I think once you put things in the world, you don't really own them anymore Mm, and other people have their thing and their meanings and you're just grateful that... It sort of came through and then it, it does belong to everybody who has an experience with it and i'm always really humbled by people's stories about their connection with any any of the songs
1: i think that's where the art comes in i think between between your pen and their ears that's where the art and I also i think picking up on what you said john i think that music is the, the to me the most powerful thing i know I mean, it's uh, uh, because it crosses if I, if I write something, it's going to be culturally specific to some degree. Your humour travels, but it varies by culture. I think that music is, and I think if I'm writing well, I want it to feel. I want my writing to feel like music. And I've seen when you're riffing mm-hmm. on stage, there's a, there's a music to it. I just wanted to ask you. It just occurred to me then, when I wrote, I start uh, always wrote for myself, never with any idea of having it public. I just Had to write, and it was something that was me. Uh, and then when I started to put stuff out in the world and then I first came to pick up the pen again, having had stuff made, it changed it because then there was weight on the top of that pen. And um, I wondered how... Those numbers are mind-boggling to have that many people be aware of your art and to be touched by it. When you come to write something, can you disconnect yourself from the waiting audience? Are you Are you hamstrung to some extent by... Your own success? Or or can you find that freedom, that naivety of when you first started?
2: I think whenever you... What do I really think? When I really write well, which is when I'm not thinking, oh, I've got to write a song or I've got to go in the studio with this person. So yeah, I'm, I'm not so good with writing with other people. I've had things Fine. that have worked with other people, but... I always feel self-conscious because I guess I do feel that thing of like I don't really know what I'm doing and they do they and they're do. going to suss me out
1: yeah.
2: I better come up with something and I will come up with something but it might not be
1: But it's well, not It's, it's not, not a fine
2: thing yeah. yeah it's not a fine thing whereas if I'm on my own and I'm just playing my guitar I feel like I do I am able to just kind of disconnect to the point where something will come through and then it surprises me you know I've, I'm not a trained musician I used to play violin so I can I'm I know a seam of classical music that I guess I got to a certain level before I just got really, really hard. But I, my way into playing guitar and, and was indie and punk, mm. and so I never was like, oh, I don't know the chords. And but and because I came in that way, I've sort of stuck to it. Yes. Maybe too much, and that maybe I've pushed away some learning. But I like to feel like. I don't know what I'm doing here, and it's just sort of Instinct. happening. Instinctual, right? Yeah, and I like to think, right, the tape's rolling or, or whatever it is. And when I feel like it's really come, I haven't thought about it beforehand. It's just a phrase, and I think, oh, I didn't know I felt that. I didn't know I thought that. Or this is just that—that's like, rhymed with this, and that's and these chords have come together. And then I have to go back and think and learn it. Mm-hmm. Learn, yes, learn what yes. came out.
1: So, so in a way, it's. a uh, 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 to me, it's, it's thought gets in the way. And if you're thinking when you're doing, I can't do. So all the thinking, we were talking outside there, that I walk around and let things roll around in my system and don't try and put any shape on it, and then eventually it just comes right. Yeah. It's
0: interesting, like, like with stand-up, I don't write stand-up. So I, I, I find it very difficult when I, I speak to other stand-ups and they go, I'm having a writing day. And I think, well, how could, what 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 does that mean? because it's got to grow organically on stage, so I can't go on stage with nothing in my head. Mm. Mm. But I can't sit in the bathroom and think, taps, Is anyone doing? Yeah, anything? Yeah. Let's do a bit <laughs> yeah. about taps. Yeah, yeah. Tap. But your yeah. tap stuff was now, really good, though. one's <laughs> up, one's cold. Ooh, ooh, yeah, Yeah, you know, I just <laughs> yeah. can't do it. Yeah, <laughs> what about those cold taps? Yeah, <laughs> I basically walk round, live my life, and hope something funny happens that I can talk about, yeah. or at least I see it for. But that pressure yeah, to come up with that material comes when i've got to do a gig Mm. and that's another thing when you're walking into a studio particularly as you say we collaborate with somebody else all of a sudden you're for me i've it's easy because i'm not having to come up with anything else apart from remembering stuff and then try and put it through a funny filter but to to create something musically under a pressure mm. I would find mm. I would find that to be really difficult
2: some people have got those skills and I, and I know that I haven't and it's probably been to the frustration to a lot of people who have invested like a lot of time and probably money <laughs> in me it's like we'll, we'll send you to this guy he's yeah. the he's You've the been the a hip maker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 maker and you come out and you're like oh that was a that was a funny one you know but I, I mean I think you do learn something from everyone you're in a room yeah. with and that's what. That's how I justify having, you know, well on that not point, had those connections with those people.
0: Yeah, on that point about learning something from someone that you're with, we've asked you to bring in three words. Uh, what's your first?
2: My first word is grief. Hmm. Grief. First word is grief. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, Great. So I've Tony. got. A, yeah, I've got a. So the way this works, currently, is I have a little. Uh, I've got advanced uh, notice, and we have a little look at that word and uh, its etymology and its um, definition and history and stuff. So uh, grief uh, is from the Middle English uh, word gref. Uh, definition of uh, grief dates back to the 13th century, and it's in the 13th century grief was defined as hardship, suffering, pain, bodily affliction, wrong, grievance, injustice, misfortune... And it comes from the French word gravis, weighty, which means to make heavy and to cause grief, mental pain and sorrow. The definition of people uh, confuse grief and loss. Now, grief is a response to loss, uh, although conventionally the emotional response to loss is uh, physical, cognitive, behavioural, social, cultural, spiritual and philosophical dimensions. And then I've got a couple of beautiful, beautiful quotes. Um, I'll save my favourite for the last Uh, One is uh, William Cowper, the English poet, who said that grief is in itself a medicine. Uh, Dr. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross said that our grief is as individual as our lives. And then, as is often the case uh, in my world anyway, the Chinese Proverbs um, say it best. Chinese Proverbs says, you cannot prevent the birds of sorrow from flying over your head, but you can prevent them from building a nest in your hair. Hmm. So what made you pick grief?
2: It's so... It's so interesting to me sitting here and talking and being able to be light because I think lightness was something that I thought I would never, ever get back to. And, and um, when I was experiencing grief, for, you know, for as long as it was, I did look into that meaning and when I found that it had that link to grief and gravity and grave and w- the weight... I really relate to that because it was like, it was a very, very physical, very physical thing for me where I just felt that there was so much heaviness on me that it would be completely impossible to... Uh,
0: Are we talking when you lost Jason, your first husband?
2: Yes, so that, I mean, that happened, what are we now? It's It's 2020, that happened in 2008. And the reason I've included it is because it's such a it's so huge in in my life you know and it's such a big part of my life and I think you kind of reflect backwards but a lot of the time you you don't realize you're sort of still in it and I feel like I'm I feel like I'm not in it now but it's really just easy to get pulled back into it you know think of because of grief has this weight and this gravity Sometimes it's almost like a bungee rope on you you're just sort of running and running and running and you don't realize how hard you're working and then you'll just sort of stop and the moment you have to mm-hmm. reflect you just sort of get pulled back into the center of it but but I do feel a lightness and a joy that I didn't think was possible to get to and that's part of the reason I wanted to talk about it's because I thought how is it possible for people to lose someone who's you know the most important person to, to them and their lives. How is it possible for them to ever experience joy again? So, part of the reason I wanted to talk about today is just to say I can be witness to the fact that it is possible to have lightness after after that much heaviness. But yeah, I mean, Jason died when I was twenty nine. He was thirty one, and he, I guess he, you know, he had a he had fr- he had a bunch of friends, and he was. A brilliant person and a fun person a clever person but also someone who was he always had a lot on his mind mm. and um you know he liked he liked drinking he was a musician he was a jazz musician so i guess when we first get together and i was working in a bar we're around sort of boozy partying us all the time and you know he was just one of a series of people who would always come off a high off a gig and drink and drink and drink and, drink. and maybe we're going to the next day or the next day but it was sort of part of the lifestyle that we were in and then, I guess, as time went on and our marriage and like other people maybe got like proper jobs and or we were around maybe around more music making, but it was a bit more professional then then I'd start to sort of see oh yeah this is this is sort of unusual, and it's not really stopping and then because he was a really bright person and he'd had like a he'd had a really complicated background, I guess, and he was brought up as a Mormon and he had lots of division in his mind between like what he thought he should do, what he thought his life was going to be like, what's true, what's not true. You know, I'm swinging away from my beliefs. I'd as a child, will I ever swing mm. back to them? I mean, it, I have a lot of empathy for, have, ha, have not had, had. The tenses are weird for me when I think about him because cause it's so shift. present. Yes. Yeah, it's like, yes. I, I don't know how to, it's like it's sort of gone, but it's not gone. But yeah, I always, I always had a lot of empathy for him. So when he would do his kind of, drinking holidays or he would be unkind I would always have a lot of sympathy and I would always think you know perhaps one day we'll be looking back at this period and think oh, remember those really wild years you had before you settled down um you know and that's the the thing about someone dying young is you never get to find out what would have happened and a lot of the time I, I sort of play like a parallel version of you know what what would it what would he have been like? But, yeah, he had these friends, and I guess it was a weird thing I felt in culture where sort of drugs became really around. I don't know if that was just my age, or it was like you could sort of ring drugs like you could ring a pizza. And we're the
1: same age and same time, they yeah. were in the underground at least, weren't they? Yeah, 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 yeah. I was around, it. so no, that definitely happened.
2: Yeah, there it was, was like, shift, it was just shift. like, I think booze is, I mean, booze is definitely a drug, but booze is the kind of drug where you drink loads yeah. and you have a pizza and fall asleep yeah. on the couch. Clumsy, it, yeah, it's yeah. clumsy and it's messy and it's like, but it sort of turns itself off. Yes. Because it kind of renders you... Because
1: you can only imbibe so much, Exactly. Right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. But
2: then you sort of combine it with one or two types of drugs. And I always said they give you, like, super drinking power. Yes. Where it's like, just be seeing do. the person, tip into, I'm going to sleep on the couch. But then they'd sort of be like, where's the next party? And I always felt like that wasn't... That wasn't a good thing for sort of him to be around and us to be around. But anyway he had a really good friend a sh- uh, he had a friend he had an acquaintance and I guess this guy was a, a heroin addict but he was sort of re- in recovery and um, you know someone I knew and haven't seen since And um, but yeah he I guess was like a methadone user so he you know go to the chemist get his methadone but because this was Easter weekend he had like enough methadone it's, to last yes. him over his weekend and mm-hmm. he must have had it in his fridge and I guess Jason had gone back to his house and um, he, at some point, when his friend was out of the room, which I can totally imagine it being Jace, you know, he just would have seen something, a little cup of something or a glass of something. I'm sure he knew what it was because it would have been marked, but he's always like taking chances on things. When you're drunk, you take chances. When he was sober, he's very,
1: Yes. you know, we want, yes.
2: he was very together. He's never one of these people who planned to no. get wasted it always just kind of happened reckless but yeah. wasn't it yeah. Yeah, it sort of always happened but I guess he must have had a drink of this methadone and then felt tired, gone to sleep his friend will have put, put a cover over him, gone into his own room woke up the next day still sleeping gone out for a f- some food come back, he's still sleeping that's when he was concerned and then I had got this phone call and it was from the police and they were like well, it's you know jason ray you know i was in a taxi i think and i was going to see a friend and then they'd called me the police had called me and said can you stop at this particular point on the road and i was thinking and it was outside a shop and i was like thinking oh i was kind of imagining like is jason kind of drunk and disorderly somewhere like is he is he shouting and howling at the moon sort of like is he throwing a brick through a window and be like oh you know what's he done and I'm getting caught and I was like this is really sort of inconvenient and embarrassing and I was like oh they'll you know and then I got there and I was like I couldn't see Jason then I just saw this police woman she was like really made up she was really beautiful and she had like really loads of makeup on her hair all tied back and she just I guess went through the thing which is like a script they ask you your name they ask his name they they say dates of birth and they say this and they say this and they say and they just said you know the ambulance was called and they weren't able to... And and, you, and you're just sort of trying to take it in, but you can't really take it in. And then I just remember this this ride home where I, then they came back to my house and I had to sort of take this in but sort of give them directions to my house. So it was this weird thing of like... I was very aware that sort of absolutely everything had changed, but then I was still like, right, it's turning left here and then you go up there and then... You know, I don't. I don't remember someone letting the, opening the door, and it's like they you go back to the house, and everything's the same in your house. Like, so there's like his trainers under the table, and the coffee's still there. But it's like I'm just saying, "Oh, take me to him, take me to him," because I just couldn't really take it in because it was very, it was so sudden, it was so totally unexpected, you know. And I would say a new yank come back, but I was like, "Oh, this is another night he slept on another friend's couch." I was annoyed. But I didn't... It was just so sudden. And, you know, my my deepest feeling around that time was just so much sadness for him. Like, I imagined he just went at to sleep. Yeah, in, I was like, in, poor in, him, you know? At, at the sort,
1: time that you were... That,
2: I was like, he... In that I felt like I had to sort of defend him because people mm. were like, what's he done now? Yeah. You know, he's that one that's all... You yeah. know, we'll always do this or do that. He's had a drink or he's not come home. Or, you know." And I felt like, no, no, he... It's this accident that it's sort of... Even though he had done it, it was, to in my understanding and belief, sort of, um, you know, the coroner's thing or whatever, like, misadventure. But I did feel... I was just like, oh, he must... I just imagine him waking up sort of on the other side. Like, I don't even know what my f- beliefs are about death and after death, but I just kind of imagined him waking up in, like, a sort of waiting room or something and thinking... Well, where am I? What's happened? And someone having to explain. Well, you've died, and but how have I died? You know, it's you know, it's it's very. It's such a weird. It's. I mean, I think any when you're a living person, uh, contemplating death is just impossible to do. That's. Yes. But I do think that particular way of like you sort of just go to sleep and you've done a, f- you've done a cheeky thing. But you don't wake up, and I guess. In the culture of our friends, there were so many people who'd done so many other more reckless things. Do you hear about so-and-so? And he yeah. fell off a bill. Do you hear about so-and-so? And his he necked neck told the pills. And did it. And I, so I felt it was like... I felt I wanted to defend him. I felt like it wasn't fair. I felt like it wasn't real for a long time because my dreams were so real. I felt like I was kind of seeing him in my dreams and I was sort of... We were still living. And then everyone else was around me. but But it was very... The word grief to me is really powerful because it's like, it would sometimes, the weight of it would sometimes sort of drift off and you'd be talking and laughing. Almost forget. Yeah, and then almost forget, you know, for minutes and then it would come on like a sudden thing and I would be hysterical and in my house, I remember thinking like, I want to smash every window in my house and every door, like just tap them out. I I remember just, and I just sort of couldn't do it and it's like, panic attacky and pacing the floor and and um yeah it was just it was just a a weight and a drowning feeling and it was so and and I guess yeah that is why I want to talk about is because I felt at that time it was impossible to get out from the weight which is that word grief to me it's like gravity grave the thing pulling you down I thought it would be impossible for me to have any other kind of life this will define my life this will you know I was 29 I was like oh what's 39 and 49 and 59 and 69 and now I'm in a different place I think oh I'd love to see 49 and 59 and 69 and 79 and you know I'm the rest but I just it was so heavy and it lasted so long but it's not where I live now, and that's another reason. That's the re- that's the only reason I want to talk about it. It's
0: again. interesting to me because it's so. It's you 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 say it's something that you want to talk about to help other people who are suffering that way, but it's still part of your DNA because I asked you one question about 15 minutes ago Mm. and it's flown out and it's been Mm. so eloquent and Mm. you've expressed it so well but you've relived that night a million times to the detail of his friend putting his cover on Mm. and then that sensation and the 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 outer body sensation of directing people back to your house that you shared with him that he was meant to be coming back to and so that your that was happening at a time also when you just you know you were a star this is not on your way up you you know two years before your album had gone ballistic you were you were a star so they were not only coming to pick somebody up who's in grief they're coming to pick somebody up who's who's famous and so you've achieved everything that you want to achieve and then then your world's collapsed Mm -hmm. you think there's three aspects that i want to ask about your experience which is potentially different to someone else is obviously the age that you were at and that jason was at at the time because if someone dies and they're in their 80s it's sad but it's mm-hmm. never it's never the same because you don't you can't imagine yeah, the, the life you could have had mm. there's that there's also that thing about about the fact that you you did it make you question that The importance of this showbiz success that you'd got, that you'd gained. And then the third question, which is probably a more difficult one for you to ask, or maybe, maybe it's not because you're so eloquent about it. You're now married to Steve. You've got kids. you started another life. How do you feel it was for him coming into your life, knowing that Jason's never really
2: left it? Yeah, oh, they're all really good questions. I guess I'll say them in reverse order, just because that, that that one really sort of stays in my mind. Mm. It's a really funny one because I've got a photo at home that I, I found the other day because I was just reorganising my house, and it's me singing, and Jason playing saxophone at our wedding, and Steve playing keyboards. Wow! wow. Because, and it's just the three of us in this picture, so it's a crazy cool. picture yes. for me. You know, because me and Jason got married on ours. Twenty-two or something, really young. Yeah. So I'm like in this like sl- slinky dress, and he's got his, his kilt on, and it's like this person who was Steve, who who was a friend, you know, my friend, his friend. And so, in a way, when you say sort of coming into, it's not. I guess he didn't come into my life, and sort he's of already
1: in the picture, he was already
2: in this, literally in, in the, the picture, picture yeah. but already yeah. in our world, and yeah. and we became we were all we were friends we weren't, we weren't really deep friends but we we're friends like we had an empathy with each other and we liked each other and and we were working together on my second album when Jason died so I remember part of like the, the logistics of that Easter weekend would be like you know call this person call this person my mum did loads my sister did loads I remember saying to one of my friends oh, I have to call Steve because I'm not I'm not going to be at work on Monday you know mm. I'm not Mm. everything's finished, we're done. But because he was working with me, he his work was done for however long I was going to be off. So we spent a lot of time together in the aftermath of that grief and, mm. um, you know, our relationship, I guess, it turned into a friendship where I felt like he was just a solid rock, you know, and it's just really solid rock and then we talked together on my second album and then i had to really stand back and be like i feel these feelings and i don't know what they are and i knew of that i can't remember what the syndrome's called but you know where you sort yes, of yes,
1: you yes, fall yes, yeah, in you love project. with your nurse yes, kind yes, of thing yes, and yes, it's yes. like he
2: was yeah. literally my nurse he yeah. was literally like yeah. here's the flowers and i've done your washing and here's your food and your mum me and my mum and him were really close because they were just kind of coordinating everything mm. I, after jason died i don't think i didn't want to be in the house on my own at all i was terrified and so there was just people staying at my house all the time my sisters came up from london and my mum was here and steve was there and it was just like i didn't want any of my own company because i didn't want any time to sink
1: fall into yourself right yeah i just
2: i was i was scared i was scared for my life because i just thought well, this is the end of my life, yes. and also I was really grateful as you know to answer all your questions as a big model. I thought I've had a really good life because I had a dream of doing my music, you know I've had a this good childhood and these great this great family, this amazing mum, and I've fallen in love, and lots of people don't get to do that and it was a real love at first sight fizzy kind of connection where you just ah and you know you sort of kiss in the park, but you forget where you are. And it was just, it was fast. And, you know, we got married really young and we were like the first people in our group to get married. And it was, and and I thought lots of people don't get to have that thing where they're just like, you know, I wouldn't want to be in this room... Pushing the supermarket trolley next to anyone else in the world, like yes. you make everything.
1: The banal seems. Sort yeah, of made, everything's really magical. Invested with magic. Yeah, yeah. so it was like yeah.
2: it was magical, and then it had these like bits of problems in it. But I, in a way, I sort of thought, well, you don't get one without the other. That's what I thought. I thought, you know, you, sure, you got to, sure. you got to, these are little prices to pay. So and I thought, yeah, I've got to do this music, and I've had this massive connection, I've had this big success, and I've got to, you know, I've travelled all around. I, you know, I'm 29, but I'm done. I'm just gonna sit in my house and knit and play Scrabble and do my garden, and that will be enough for me. Having known this person, that it's like that's what I really felt about it. And so yeah, I felt I felt lucky, and I didn't feel like I was gonna ever do my Music again. I knew music would stay in, being important to me, and I knew I was going to sing. I was going to write for myself. I, I'd play in my house, you know. I'd play about on the piano, but I thought, well, I don't, you know, I don't need to sort of go back and do all of that stuff. And then there was like the other side of it where no journalist had ever been interested in me before because I was always perceived as being like so squeaky
1: yes. clean, and yes. it was like around the yeah, same time I'm like Amy
2: Winehouse yes. and, and you know Lily Allen, so it's all like people stumbling out of nightclubs and so they took all that heat and there was never any interest on me if anything it was a bit like oh she's really boring because she's just like oh she's married oh her husband's my phone player who cares and then suddenly it was like people outside my house wanting to know about this drug death and it was and that that was really gross to me yes. and I suddenly thought and I also thought it was unfair. I was like, I haven't played this game. No, I haven't. Not, no. My PR person hasn't been ringing you saying, come yes. and see us billing out of this nightclub, which that all works. So I thought, why are you, why are you all here? And I'd, we'd recently moved house and we we're in this brilliant street. Like the neighbours were shouting at the journalists, like, go and get a proper job. And they were, you know, they really defended us. And um, yeah, people put through notes through the door. Vial. When you're ready to talk. Yeah, yeah. So i thought it was so it was so weird and i feel like that's why i'm keen to and have talked about this before because i feel like you know it's my experience to own to share in the context that that i want to yeah and again for that specific purpose that people you know like you say lots of people do lose people but it's it's older but there are people young you know young yeah. people and who like lose a partner really early and you just or download the Rakuten app today. That's R A K U T E N. Shoppers get it. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before cancelling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. And there's that double thing of feeling you just feel sort of robbed. You feel robbed of your future, you know, especially when you like you think, oh, we would have got married, we would have had kids and you feel robbed of your future. So it's like. How did I feel about my music stuff? I felt lucky to have had it, and I felt like it was at the end. I Can remember because
1: that, that interests me so when you said you thought it was an end because you thought you were just going to be one thing, and that was that was under the weight of grief. Mm. you thought that I just so thought it, this is my life so now. so did you lose that impulse to share your music That that was taken by that's interesting to me,
2: I think I felt too. Raw. Open, I, open, I felt yeah. too raw and I thought it's just going to take one person to say one thing, wrong thing yeah. to me. And and I did have crazy, you know, I went on, I don't know if it was Good Morning America or some American TV show. And I remember being dressed up and had these like plastic Vivian Westwood shoes on. Yeah. And I was, I was sort of like ready because I was like, I know there's going to be questions. And she literally was like, oh, my God, I love your shoes. And was it hard when your husband died? And I, and I was just like and this was before I was doing my three minute song at 7am and I just steeled myself and, I, and I, I gave a good answer I can't remember what it said uh, what it was and then I did my song and I had this weird like rrr, f- fire burning sort of and I, I remember it was a good performance but when I came off I was so upset and I was like how could she ans-? and I was still really angry so I was like she's married, one day she's going to be in this position. And I was, like, sending my anger off in the wrong direction. But I was just like, how can she... Do this segue, and how can she? It's only like two years or a year and a half later. It's like, how can she think? I'm like, well, that was a bad experience, but it's behind me now. You know, yeah. it's like Look people, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, and the other thing about grief is, people, like you say, people think there's some stages. Yes. So they almost want to have a clipboard, like, have you felt? Yeah. Tick. Yes. So you must be at stage yeah. tick. And I felt it's more like a labyrinth. You just round and round. You're in it. You're up, and then you're down, and then you're angry at them, and then you're angry at the world. And then you're like, you can't quite believe it's happened. And then you think, well, oh, maybe it doesn't really matter. And then you realise, like, or then you think your whole life's over. And it's just like you sort of bounce around between all these walls, I guess. And then eventually, it's coalescing. Of further, it. Yeah. Co-
1: co- co- so it seems like you, it's, it's up, yeah. So like you that, that you exist in different parts of it, and then eventually, over time, because yeah, time, I know yeah. it's a terrible cliche, but that timing does allow a kind of coalescing into a new star, yeah. right, after that nebulous experience yeah. of just being angry and in denial and lost and, yeah. uh, and all that, yeah. and then over time you start to come back towards that, the yeah. solidity yeah. Of, a, of having a, a personality, yeah. rather than being subject to the winds of, of fortune. Yeah. yeah,
2: Yeah. and I think when you're in a partnership, so much of your work together is collapsing the wall between yourselves, so you feel like you're one thing. Yes. Yes, but I think, and then when you lose a partner, you sort of think you've died as well, mm. and it takes you ages to realise. I didn't. I didn't die, but you sort of feel like you should have well, died.
1: Separating yourself from that entity that we yeah. two become one. And yeah, so you have to then. That's to be a process. It seems to. To remove yourself from that and then to come back into the new yeah. formation. Yeah. yeah, so
2: you've got like foods they didn't like and you think you don't like them and you try because, them again. Think, yes. I, actually, I, like I don't. It. I like mint. I like olives. <laughs> I like yeah. mint. Yeah, he used to hate mint. I was like, I, I actually like it or yeah. whatever the thing is. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, so it is that, you know, when you said gr- grief is a medicine or was it grief is uh, yeah, a
1: yeah, tonic? Yeah, yeah, no, grief is a medicine in itself.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's just like that sort of refiner's fire thing. It's like. <laughs> you are burnt and destroyed yes. you know but I'm saying this destroy thing with glee because yes. it's like yeah. it's burnt away all of the it's, yes. the unreal parts yes
0: it is it is a thing that people sometimes are, are surprised by and I think that you know from what I'm getting from you the message seems to be embrace your grief. Mm. it's going to be there. If, if you fight it, it will hurt more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Embrace it. And like 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 you know, like yeah. we were doing at the weekend, ride the punch. Yeah. Go yeah. with it. Right. Yeah, yeah we were fighting it. at yeah. the oh, weekend. That's really? A bit, oh, yeah, okay. Not, yeah. Like, actually, yeah. physically. It's not, not metaphorically.
1: Yeah yeah,
2: yeah.
0: No, we, yeah, yeah. It's been coming so, a long time. So, Tony yeah. was doing some boxing training with me, but it yeah. is yeah. that movement.
2: Yeah, yeah, it really is. But
0: I wow, I, I could talk to you all day just like yeah, Sorry I was talking too long. We are going to move on. Just tell us, what, what is your second word? What makes a life a good
2: one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. My second word is transcendence.
1: Transcendence. transcendent one of my favourite words. The etymology, it's from the Latin transcendentum, which means surmounting and rising above. The two elements of it are trans, which means across, and sandare, which is to climb. So it's the idea of surpassing, to outdo, to excel, to surmount and to move beyond. There is a... I, di- I didn't know this, but fascinated to learn it because I, I was a fan of Waldo Emerson, the writer, American writer. There's a philosophical movement in the, in the States in the 1820s and 30s in the eastern parts of the States, transcendentalism. And their core belief, this is beautiful, I think, is the inherent goodness of people and nature, and while society and its institutions have corrupted the purity of the individual, people are at best when truly self-reliant and independent. It emphasises a sense of wonderment over objective empiricism, in other words, a sense of awe and wonder and that thing that we're all aware of, that numinous thing of the the wonder of it all, it privileges that over 2 plus 2. Which I think in our world is ever increasingly, uh, as we have more science, it's harder and harder to justify. But we all know, all of us know, it's unsustainable. But like grief, you know it's there. Mm-hmm. You, you you know it's there. And then finally, just a couple of quotes. This is Suzuki, a Japanese author from the 1800s. Who would deny that when I am sipping tea in my tea room and I'm swallowing, that I am swallowing the whole universe with it. And that this very important moment of lifting the bowl to my lips is eternity itself, transcending time and space. Mm. And then this one's a little bit harder to grasp, but one you might want to search out yourself. But you a say look
0: harder at. to grasp. I well, can't say the first one was that easy. Well, <laughs> uh, just the idea of. I mean, well, the, well, the the idea of, having
1: a yeah, cup of tea. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, that, I think that's the idea, though. That in the most banal, everyday thing, every now and then we get a little glimpse of something, and we've called it religion. Or we've called it. Got every now and then in the most mundane of exchanges you can feel that there's something bigger and something something that we that we'll never be able to grasp but there is that sense so i think that this one is john milton a bit more complicated because it uses gratitude as well but i think it's a profound thought gratitude bestows reverence and it allows us to encounter everyday epiphanies those transcendent moments of awe that change forever how we experience the life and the world that we live in
0: mm so why did you pick it?
2: I picked it because I think it's one of the central things of my life and I think it is it's a thing that's pulled me towards music and it's the, I feel like it's the thing that keeps me alive, you know. It's a it is something that I experience often and it's something that makes me a tripped out person, I guess. So, a someone who I'm I'm here and I'm in this room. Mm and um, I've got my everyday life, but I've also got this thing, which is like, it's just out of sight, but it's close, but I can get to it through various things, but the main one for me is through music, and through just being sort of lifted up by either playing music, sometimes I get it through listening to music, sometimes I get it through being at other people's concerts, where I just, my, my thoughts or whatever it is, it's not thoughts. It's like, it's like the thoughts aren't there. It's like everything, everything is eternal. Yes. So I feel like I've had it a few times. Like say for one time for an example, and uh, I was playing when it was another time with Herbie Hancock. Cause I was talking again about Herbie Hancock and Wayne Shorter, and they're just like gods of music and not just that you know you talk to them and it's like they've been buddhists for years they've probably both been through worldly heavy things you know that they're not just dancing through fields it's like they have they've lived and they've found this belief system and they've and they meditate but they've also they're just like these master jazz musicians so i think playing with other people who are that much better you know than you that in my case that much better than me it's like I felt like I got caught up in this sort of spiral Lifted, of what they yeah. were doing. But they were playing, it was on one of my songs, it was this song called Like a Star, and I said, oh, can we just go round and round on this section? And it's like the way the chords work, and my favourite songs are like this, where like somehow the chords work like a kind of step, steps like a Escher,
1: yes. you know, drawing yes, where it's yes, like yes, you're going yes, down, so but no you're thing, going up. You know, so it's like a yes. cir-
2: constant circle. So it's like there's this circle of chords and you can just play them and play them and play them, and it's like there's no natural ending to them. And then, you know, Wayne Short starts playing saxophone, and then it just goes up and up and up. And I'm playing my guitar and I'm singing and singing. It was in the rehearsal, you know, it wasn't in, in front yes. of people.
1: Elevated.
2: But it just went up and up and up, and it just went on and on and on. And when these moments happen for me, it's like they happen outside of time. So it might have been five minutes, it might have been 10 minutes, it might have been half an hour, but it feels like when I close my eyes I can get to that totally tripped out place I can get to it because I remember what that experience was it's like it's outside of time I also think it's so joyful that there is a gratitude with it where you sort of think if I was to die now yes fine
1: and an epiphany right yeah taking it all the glory of it yeah. all comes rushing in in, yeah. in in one
2: just like this This has been Yes, and now whatever's next, I'm I'm sort of I'm without fear.
1: Yes, and yeah, that's that's.
2: And those experiences for me, I just I sort of I live for them. I need them. I remember I had it when I was in my band when I was you know a teenager, and, and I have it when I'm on stage, you know, with my own band where it's like first few songs you're just like right he's taking a photo right does my hair look weird right Mm. I'm just I've got to remember these chords right they're talk, are they talking at the back there's the first few songs and then there's like a point where it sort of shifts where I'm just like it's almost like a slow motion me where I'm just like I'm doing it but I'm not doing it and it's me but it's not really me and I'm here but I'm not really here and I'm very aware that we're all in this room and it's for this one time only and we're but we're not really there but and we all there's this love that we can't describe N- no, and it's, ego, yeah, no, no ego yeah no ego no but i think there's a there's another group of people that i've met people who have that thing where they are like you know that transcendence is there why don't you dip into it every day and i feel like what is it about my life that i just can't get org- i can't get organized mm, to do it no, I agree, i'm yeah. rubbish at routines like even basic just basic like uh get myself together i'm just rubbish at routines and i think i'm worried of routine or i think it's somehow do i think it's boring yeah or,
0: there's also that thing as well and if you if you book in transcendence yeah at two o'clock no, exactly. yeah no exactly uh, two that. o'clock yeah. on a thursday no, afternoon yeah. that's when i yeah yeah, yeah yeah
2: it I'm, might yeah. not happen i've
1: got to pick me washing up and then i've got to transcend yeah yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. so i yeah. get
0: what you're saying there's yeah. a spirituality to that experience and i and i, and I i'd no near get to it in stand-up, but there have been moments, particularly on on my last tour, where I I, I felt almost not me mm-hmm. on stage, yes, mm-hmm. so and right. I f- and yeah. I felt kind of uh, there's all of these people, but then there's none of these people, yeah, and yeah. these words I have said before, but I've never said them this way before, and it feels. Difference and the the light, the noise coming back at the mm-hmm, right time in yeah. mm-hmm. the right place. But, that's why I was so interested in what you said. The way you felt it within within an environment when there's 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 you know the music's playing, the other people are there. There's there's moments of connection yeah. mm-hmm. that go outside of the situation, yeah. and you can't really always. As, as that's exactly why I asked you that question. Yeah. Have you done transcendental meditation? Mm-hmm. So, Brilliant your word. third word. I mean, you've had two two massive words. Okay. The last, <laughs> I one's, I the own, last I one's pigeon. I, 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 yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, your third P- yeah. word's like hamburger. <laughs> yeah. <or> Hamburgers, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Pigeon hamburger. <laughs> so what is your third
1: word?
2: My third word is outsider.
1: Outsider. outsider. So wow. I've not got much about this other than to say it ties in. When I saw this word, I thought, yeah, that absolutely ties in with to transcend because I understand Dud that uh, about you when I first met you, just implicitly. So, uh, so there really isn't much. I mean, it's uh, one who is on the outside. I mean, it's kind of self-explanatory. The adjective was first attested in 1630s, being on the outside, to the outer surface or boundary. There's only one quote really, and I, and I've got to be absolutely honest with you. I picked this quote because the name has tickled me endlessly since, and that's probably a failing on my part. This is a quote from Banana Yoshimoto. Who said? No matter where you are, you're always a bit on your own. You're always an outsider, and I believe that. I think once you're on the outside, I don't think you're getting back in. Mm -hmm. It's just whether you want to be back in.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, what what made you pick that word?
2: I really identify with this word, and I think I feel myself to be on the outside, looking out. You know, like not. I don't want to be. In that room, I had an experience recently when I was doing my last record, and I was at Capitol, which is the iconic studios in LA in you know, that circular building, it looks like a stack of records. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to a particular record company person, and they were listening to what I did, and they said, oh, the "Think about you, Corinne, You, um, what you need to do is—it's like you're trying to get into a club, right? It's like you're trying to get into a club. You've got your music, but you're trying to get in, and it's like all you need to do is just." Put on a different tie or put on a different hat, and once you through those doors, Not yeah, but but and they yeah. were saying it in this p- positive way that yeah. was like, all you need to do is this little change Compromise. to kind of trick them, and then you'll be in. And I remember at the time I absorbed it, and I thought, right, what can I do? What is it? What? So you are thinking like, is it get this beats person? Is it this? Is it miss out this? Is it changes chorus? And it took me a long time in make even just making that record to realize I don't want to be inside that club. Yeah. I don't want to be in there. Well,
0: it's very interesting, though, because the trajectory of your career and the fact that you're based with something that's absolutely huge. And then your music, as I've listened to it over time, has evolved in a, in a different direction. And obviously, during that time, you've had that personal grief Whether that would have played out completely differently. But as Tony was saying before, when you when you are a massive hit, the maintenance of being a hit artistically... Takes away your ability to be an outsider because yeah. you've got to be in the hit yeah. factory. Yeah. And what I admire about you, and as I say, none of us will ever know if though you know what happened with Jason might have kept you in there or not in there. Mm-hmm. But but what it what it strikes me is there's an authenticity to your music that maybe would have been lost if you'd have had to keep on. Supplying what the execs were looking for, and and allowed yourself to do that.
2: It it is it's it's so um that's the weird the weird thing that makes you feel like you're failing, right? Because you have sort of done something that's your own thing that you love, yeah. and it's it's happened to line up with what other people like, and then they just say, "Oh, can you do that again?" Yeah. But you say, "Well, I can't because I'm not the same person. It's not the same time. I don't have the same feelings. I want to do something different." And in doing it, you know you sort of choosing something different and outside and it's not going to be as, I don't know, popular or relatable, but I feel like I can't do anything I'm else. I'm just going
1: to say, I don't think you've got a choice. Mm-hmm. I don't think you've got any choice about about, yeah. about yeah. who you are. I yeah. think you you might get flashes of... Uh, what you, what all you're describing to me is somebody else interpreting what you are. Mm. I don't think you have a choice. Mm. I don't think you're ever putting a time
2: because mm. mm. if you are, yeah. you're not worth it. You, you can't. Are. You, you, you can't. You just can't do you'd it. Start. You choke on it. Yeah. It it just feels like it's not me. And yeah. I feel like as a performer, you know, because I'm not like, oh, I went to this music school and da da da, and I know yeah. all these. and Check out my guitar solo. Yeah. I feel like the only way I can do it is to really do it. Yes. And I feel like if I'm if I don't have that transcendent. Moment, I'd be conning them because yeah. they, they, I'm not really giving it, you know. So I, I really want it to be real, and that's how I feel with all my music. I'd rather do something badly and less successfully and not sound as good, and it's a bit of a mess. But I got it's to yours. do my thing because to me, making it and coming up with it and creating it and taking those. Yeah. Just doing, following yeah, yeah. what I want to. Complete that's that's the whole. That's, that's the, the whole fun point. of it. That's but the that's whole the fun thing. of
0: it. Is this purely about music or is it about this life? Is, to as me, well? this is about.
2: For me, outsider is like I just relate to it on so many levels. So when I first went to school, I thought everybody's dad was brown, yeah, and everyone's mum was white because yes. that's what it was for me. So it's like I went to school it's like, oh, oh, this is different. <laughs> yeah, everyone's not brown. Everyone's well at my school everyone's white and then so that's a way I felt like an outsider uh, and then even within blackness you know because I've got a black parent and a white parent yes. so sometimes you know you might be in a room I might be in a room with white people and think oh I've never felt so black and yes, and then and I'm then in a room with white, self, black people so I've never felt yeah. so white yeah and so like oh they're seeing me but they're they're seeing me as different to them and and that's a you know a genuine people thing people
1: project onto you right
2: yeah that's yeah. a genuine thing it's like I mean, I see blackness as a kind of umbrella, and I see myself, I'm comfortable under the umbrella of it, but definitely being whatever the term, you know, a, whatever the, the minute, whatever, yeah. t- I can't even keep up no, with the terms, either. but like, I always say someone who's got a black parent and a white parent, because <laughs> it's that. like a long way around, Get but that. that was a thing. And then it's like, we went to a church, it was really middle class, but we were working class. And so I was really aware of that. So I, but to me, the outsider thing, it's like, it gives you the keys because you you know I'm a working class person I'm a lot of the time in middle class space and I'm this black mixed race person and a lot of time I'm in white space and yeah. even in our church things like everyone was like happily married families but my parents were divorced I felt different about that you know it's just me and my mum yes. and my sisters yes
0: for you music is giving you this, this outlet if you hadn't discovered music how do you think your life would have been
2: I mean, like, I can't even imagine my life without music. I remember being five or six at school and I remember it was a, like nativity or something at school and I remember the teacher going down the line and saying, can you sing this? You know, she's sort of auditioning people and I remember it was like a, a bench, you know, and there's like five or six people this way. I remember thinking like, I can sing that in my head. I was like, I can sing that. Oh ask God. me, ask me. <laughs> and I remember she asked me and I, and I did and I felt, oh, I can, you know, I can sort of, I it. can do this but at the same time I never felt like I had the right singing voice because my voice has got this texture it's not really high you know at school all the singing was Andrew Lloyd Webber yeah it's really big and big you musicals you have to have and, though, you yeah you have you, to have you the, know,
1: make, know, what, what I mean is you
2: I, as, as, yeah. an, uh,
1: trans, uh, as an yeah. outsider you have to you have an outsider voice you've got to have that voice
2: yeah so yeah. it's like that was I was stuck with th- making this sound and I, th- I used to think yeah. oh, I wish I sounded like you know, it's like, oh, Whitney Houston or all these people doing these amazing runs or, you know, it was in, at school, it was the Andrew Lloyd Webber and all that stuff. And I used to think, oh, I wish I, ha- I wish I could sing, but I don't have the right type of voice. And then it was meeting two other outsider voices, which was Billie Holiday and mm. Kurt Cobain. Mm-hmm. And both those singers, yeah. I was like, they sound like they're just telling a story and I can hear their voices cracking and I can hear all this texture. I remember always being in the back of taxis because I, dri- I couldn't drive. I couldn't drive till a few years ago. I'm still a rubbish driver, but you know, you'd say, "What do you do?" Or like, "Well, I'm I'm waitressing right now," but I'm in a band. I want to, and they'd be like, "Well, you want to get on the X Factor? You yeah. want to do one it- or whatever that? it was." Yeah, and yeah. I thought the reason I wouldn't do it is because I wouldn't get <laughs> through. Yeah. Yeah, I would yeah. not get through because I would yeah. feel like I take too long to do the work that I do, and I could do it faster. And I want it to be better than it is. And I, in the end, I just have to sort of hand it in. But I want to do better and I want to do more and I will, and I'm on the journey to, do, to yes. doing that.
0: So, you've given us your three words. Yeah. We always, as well, ask our guests to come up with one word that they would be glad if they never heard it again. Yeah.
2: I don't you? know if this is a cheating word because it's hyphenated. I don't know if it's oh. allowed. It's hyphenated. Does we'll that count? Does it end
1: you it off? Yeah.
2: But it's a. break off, yeah. But it's half cast. Oh, and okay. I spoke to my sister about it recently. Oh, I was like, I think wow. I'm going to choose half caste, and she was like, I said, Does, but do people even say that? And she was like, Yeah, people do say that. That was the one I remember going to school, and you know, I think I sort of thought of myself as brown, which I think is half if we're talking if we're kids talking kids, about yeah. uh, skin colour, that's the most accurate way you can describe. Yes, me, it's like my I'm brown, and then I remember being at school and hearing this term, and I was like. I didn't understand like the etymology of it no. but I remember feeling like the half part half felt weird. Half a person. Yeah, I was like, why am I half? I was like, you know, I have my family, that my dad's family from the Caribbean, I feel like I fit in, I fit in there, I'm comfortable, I'm in that world, I'm loved and then I've got my mum's family which is, you know, white and working class in Yorkshire, far back and I feel like I fit in there, so mm. it's like, and I feel like I'm both these things, and I move between these worlds yes. easily. And I and I, and they're kind of similar. And it was funny because both my grandmothers, my, my mum's mum, passed away recently, but both my grandmothers got on really well. Yes. So they were. It was like a real everything was really joined up in, in between the families. It wasn't like what a culture shock no. stepping from one, things that one granny's house to the other. Yeah, it was just yeah. like it's that Sunday they're eating that food or that Sunday that, you know, and it wasn't. Yeah. So I remember, word. it's a weird word. It's the half, I think. It yeah, it's the half past, but then the cast part is weird as well. because yeah, it, it is Is it cast yeah. system? Is it you sort of marked? And I remember, but it's almost like sort of half as good as well. It's and a status
1: th- thing. It's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's, it's a crude, unthinking, lazy, diminishing term, I think, yeah. that, uh, that essentially is labelling people, which I despise anyway, but it's lab- labelling you as need neither one thing or another yeah, when you are a full thing in and of itself a human yeah. being
2: that was that phrase wasn't it neither flesh nor neither fish nor fowl neither fish nor fowl neither fish
1: nor fowl, neither yeah, fish
2: nor yeah. fowl. Yeah. and it was that idea of like you can't sort of mix these two races because well, that, that, there yes. will be yeah, there not, won't you, be a not, person yeah. and during, you
0: know during apartheid that was you know Coloured,
2: yeah, it was its own, yeah, it was its own separate its own, group, own
0: separate ethnic group, Yes. You know, white, black, or coloured, yeah,
2: and that's an interesting thing, like sort of, you would be then separated from yes. your the, parent, uh, both your parents' way, families, yeah. all
1: all, all yeah. labels that we use, all uh, uh, identity being primary is divisive, yeah, because uh, we're human beings, yeah, we're human beings, multifaceted, multi-layered human beings. It's
2: so funny, yeah, because I, I don't really use any of them but there's been so the whole you know in my lifetime Mm -hmm. it's been like half cast and then it was like you know race is a construct a made-up thing i think ethnicity is real like where you're from your language your heritage your the books you read the culture you know the dances the foods that's a real thing people really have dances and foods and cultures and and music and religion and a, a place they come from that and their history, they're real things and tangible. And I think it's good to recognise people's heritage. Yes. But race is a made-up thing. And there's this really brilliant world uh, book called by Nell Irving Painter. And uh, it's called The History of White People. But it's looking at race. And it's sort of saying, you know, in the Roman times, there was no idea of race. How you describe yourself is you'd say... I'm from a hilly place, or yeah. I'm from a flatland. I'm from a warring people. Well, people are subjugated, to, yeah, for so yeah,
1: for all different yeah.
2: things. But what I mean is, sometimes the useful thing about labels is like when you talk about people self-identifying. So it's like yeah, I feel like I wouldn't describe myself as half cast. I probably wouldn't describe myself as a mixed race because then you've got to go, well what's mixed? Yeah, Africa yeah, yeah. and Europe? Yeah. You can you can pretty yeah. much swim between them. Yes. We talk about millennia of movement between yes. Africa and yeah. Europe yeah. and we're all mixed and we've all got multiple, yes. you know, yeah. race if and race is a made up thing and race is a science that was made up, you know, 300 years ago when wealthy people wanted to go on the other side of the world and dig up schools and say, oh, I've found a hot and top. These must be pygni- pygmies and make up, you know, some person will say there's 13 races and some person will say there's seven and Caucasian extends down into India, you know, when, yes. when it first gets yeah. termed. And So, like, the concept of race is a constantly shifting thing and it allies itself with power. You know, they, they thought one time that the race of Negro and the race of Irish were closely related because it happened at the same time as the potato famine and slavery. And you get these cartoons trying to draw a black face and and an Irish face to look the same and say, oh, these are you know inherently sort of lower, people who are lower down on the totem of race. So I think, yeah, when I think about half-cast has been put in the bin or never heard again, it is alongside a whole thing of how do we... How do we label people? Why do we label people? But yeah, I, th- I think that it's, it's an important sort of co- it's an important conversation, isn't it? Of just well, like, who, who, who do we perceive ourselves to be versus who does everyone else perceive us to be? And what, where does that allow us to move around in the world and operate in the world?
0: Well, certainly, as a choice of a word, hyphenated on, <laughs> it can very happily... Go in the bin for none of us to be With the rest it. of it however them. <laughs> all those
1: labels, it can all go.
0: However, the other words that have been spoken in this room and the time that we've spent together, I think has been wonderful. I'm really touched by so much of what you said, and the insight, and and the fact that you 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 have a message that you carry in your music, but you also have a message you carry in your life and the thing that you came through and said right at the beginning you've been through experiences that many people will touch upon and not wonder not be able to see that there's a light at the end of it mm. and I think you, you know you may well have brought that to people today. So today thank you thank you thanks, thanks for
2: having Brian. me thanks darling thank,
1: thank you another fantastic episode John uh, to
0: be honest like I know you and Corrie and your friends known uh-huh. each other for a while and I have met her in your company in the past, but to have that time with somebody to talk so openly yeah. about their experiences in their life. And what anyone listening to this won't know is that when she came in, she, she was wearing a papoose with yeah. a baby on. Uh, you know, she, Her whole life is a great reflection of how you can take something and grow into something wonderful. I, I just I, I just enjoy spending
1: time with her. Yeah, she's a fabulous human being. I think she's a great artist, and I think she is an artist. And she's, uh, above that, She's I think she's a wonderful human being.
0: I hope that you enjoyed that episode of Three Little Words as much as we did. I absolutely love doing this show with Tony, and the guests have been brilliant. Don't forget to subscribe, follow, leave us a review, recommend us to any of your friends,
1: this podcast was brought to you by our partner, Quorn Super Protein, super tasty.
2: Enhance your listening experience with Wondery Plus. Enjoy ad-free listening, exclusive content, binges and more. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts.